Now, when we think about Christmas, I think, I think we kind of think about Christmas being a, a warm time, a sort of cosy time, a very, a very nice time of year. Um, but what about when Christmas is tough? Um, think about the people of Ukraine. This time last year, leading up to Christmas, how many people in the Ukraine would have imagined that what happened this year would have actually happened. You know, we were probably talking about saying, oh, this looks, doesn't, don't like the look of this, these armies are on the border, but did any of us really imagine what happened would happen? So think about the people of Ukraine this year at Christmas. What a different Christmas, so different to what last Christmas was. Think about the people of Somalia. Um, sadly, we don't always hear things on the news uh, the people of Somalia have been suffering one of the worst droughts in living memory and it's displaced millions of people uh, who have no food and they've had to go to different areas uh, from their homes. But of course war takes place all over the world, drought takes place in other places. But then think about the UK, I think even in the UK this year, Christmas feels different to most of us I think. You know, um, Many of us are worried, aren't we, about the rising cost of living. I think the majority of people in our society, that actually is having a very real effect on. You know, we hear about people who are having to decide whether to heat their homes or put a meal on the table. Uh, there are people, we're all probably in this room, thinking a bit more carefully about what we spend our money on this Christmas. So I think this Christmas has felt, certainly for us as a family, it's felt very different. And you might think, oh, let's put a bit of a dampener on Christmas. But actually, I, I don't think we should think like that. Because actually, the very first Christmas, the birth of Jesus in the first century, that was a tough time in the world as well. It was a tough time for the family, Mary, Joseph, to whom Jesus was, was born. Um, Jesus was born into a very poor family who became a displaced family, both when they were ordered to go uh, elsewhere to give a census, but also later on when they had to flee Egypt for their safety. So Jesus wasn't born into a nice, comfortable family. He was born into a family of poverty. We know they were poor because of the offering, type of offering Mary and Joseph brought to the temple when Jesus was born. It was the, the offering that the poor family would bring. Um, they were living under a very harsh rule of the, the Roman uh, occupiers of the Roman Empire. It was a violent rule. It was a rule that worked through fear and violence and threat. Uh, they were experiencing, we read throughout the Gospels, of the, some of the kinds of injustice and corruption that those who were privileged had, those in power, uh, had created a kind of system where people like Mary and Joseph, most people in ancient Israel, actually found life really difficult in the first century. Um, and then I was thinking of, so, so my point there is, look, the first Christmas story was not all sweetness and light. I've got some paintings here. We're used to thinking of Christmas, you know, maybe paintings like this. That, that ca can we go back to that last one, by the way? Because I think that camel looks so happy. Uh, <laughs> next, then we've got, you know, paintings like this next one. There we are. And, and, and I've got to say this, Bill or whatever, he looks very happy. Uh, what's the next one? There we go. There's Joseph. 
Typical home scene, you know, the husband's fallen asleep on the sofa. <laughs> but on, on this occasion, an angel came and spoke to him about the birth of Jesus. So that was a bit different. So I think we've got another one. Uh, what's the next one? There we are. Isn't that lovely? And again, you know, this cow's so contented, you can lean on his head. Uh, but we don't often see paintings like this one. I think this is a really powerful painting. This is by uh, a French painter, Leon, I think, Cognier. It's... It's a scene from the Christmas story that we probably skip over a bit because it's not so nice. It's, it's called the Massacre of the Innocents. So this is when King Herod heard that a baby, had, a child had been born who everyone said might be king. And Herod saw that as a threat. And he ordered that the male boys under the age of two should be gathered up and killed. It's a very disturbing, deliberately disturbing and powerful painting. Mothers fleeing with their children, hiding from soldiers. But actually, that was part of the original Christmas story. You know, we mustn't imagine. And I don't think we should just cover over that all and make the Christmas story all fluffy and nice all the time. We should remember that the reason God sent Jesus to the world because, was because we needed him desperately to come and save us. Mary herself, um, she was an ordinary, very young girl. Uh, I'm going to read you a couple of quotes here from commentaries I read. Uh, in contrast to Zechariah, uh, that was the father of John the Baptist, in contrast to Zechariah, we notice that Mary holds no official position among the people. She's not described as righteous in terms of her observing the Jewish law. Her experience, you know, the angel, doesn't take place in a religious setting, it doesn't happen in the temple with Mary. She is among the most powerless people in her society. She is young in a world that valued age. She was female in a world that was rule, ruled by men. She was poor in a stratified econ economy. Furthermore, she has neither husband nor child at that point to validate her existence as a woman. That's how people thought in the first century. Uh, that she should have found favor with God, we're told, and been given much grace shows that Luke's gospel, in Luke's gospel, the understanding of God's activity is often one of it being surprising. God's activity is, a, is often paradoxical, he says, almost always reversing our human expectations. Who would we choose? We probably wouldn't have chosen Mary. Another person points out Jesus was born to a marginal person, a marginalized person. He was conceived by Mary when she was unwed. Thus, while the birth of Jesus to Mary was justified by God, it was divinely justified, it was nevertheless socially condemned. You do get hints of that later on in the gospel that people sort of frowned upon this family. Jesus, as well as his parents, was marginalized from the time of his conception. And that reminded me of a quote I'd read recently, which was this. Christians sometimes forget that what makes the gospel offensive is not who it keeps out, but who it lets in. People like Mary. Now, uh, I think on the next slide, um, this is, this is, I put three different translations. This is that famous first line that the angel spoke to Mary. Um, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Um, greetings comes, the word greetings there comes from the, the word rejoice. So some translate it, rejoice. And the word favoured is actually in the Greek, it's, it's the word grace, charis. 
but it's a particular form of that word, which means someone who's received full grace. It's like a really big bundle of grace. So, so some translate it, you know, something like rejoice, you are given much grace, the Lord is with you, or the very traditional one we know, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Now notice it doesn't say, greetings Mary, full of virtue. It's not about how good Mary was. It says, greetings Mary, one who's been given a ton of grace. What was it about Mary? Well, actually, it was nothing about her herself. She wasn't somebody special. She hadn't been better than anyone else. She was just God, just filled her with grace, his gift. And his gift, in this case, the greatest gift he's ever given to the world was his own son, the Lord Jesus, who came to be a saviour to us all. Now, what I want you to just remember, though, Ad Advent is, is, is a great time of year for, for kind of giving us a bit of a reality check before we get to Christmas. If we're not careful, we just stumble into Christmas like, oh, yay, turkey and presents and Jesus was born. But Advent, I think, is that little bit of period of time before Christmas where we remember what it was like in the world before Jesus was born. It was difficult for many people. We remember what it can be like in our world today for many people. It's a difficult time, maybe particularly this year. And I think, I think we have to remember that. You know, Advent is about waiting, but it's, it's not waiting in the sense of twiddling our thumbs. The world was waiting in the sense that it was longing for a saviour, longing for redemption, for salvation, for, which meant really longing for change to be given by God. And that's why when Mary was told she was going to have a child who would actually be the promised king, she sung a song. And the song she sung is all about, I think we've got it on the next slide, this song is all about God turning around the injustices, helping those who are usually forgotten, and actually resetting the order socially in the world around. So she says, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. When she says the humble state of his servant, she's not just being pious, going, oh, very humble, you know. She meant it. She was, she was down on the bottom of She's not just being pious. She's describing where she stood in society's eyes. But God, had been, God hadn't forgotten her like society had. From now on, all generations, she says, will call me blessed. She, I, she can't believe it when she says that, that someone like her would end up being remembered and called blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me, holy is his name. And then she describes what her hope is for this child that's going to be born, this king. What's he going to do? God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed, God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. What's he going to do? He scatters those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He brings down the powerful from their thrones and he lifts up the humble. He fills those who are hungry, those who have nothing. He fills them with good things. But those who have too much, well, they'll go away empty. They might have a lot of stuff, but actually they go away feeling empty. 
And then she says, this is what God had always promised. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Mary understands there that actually salvation includes an element of change in our world. It's, you know, it's not just that. Salvation is absolutely about the life to come. It's about what happens after we die. Salvation is about our sins being forgiven. It's about us coming to know God and receive his life in our life. But we mustn't ignore what Mary saw. That if, if God's doing that in the world today, if Jesus is bringing forgiveness of people's sins, giving them a, an understanding of what the life of God looks like for them and for others, then it will change the world. The proud will actually be brought down. The humble will be lifted up. The people who are forgotten will be remembered. The hungry will be fed. So I think that's why Advent is a time of hope for everybody, whether they're celebrating Christmas much or not. Because Advent is about the hope, the long, long old hope that the prophets knew as well, that when Jesus the King would come, he would make things right. And I think God's still in the process of doing that for us today. You know, we see the change, the difference that God makes in communities. We see it in our communities. We see it around the world. And I guess the thought to just leave us with this morning is that if we're the church, if we're the body of Christ in the world today, we need to be a community of that hope. And I think as the body of Christ, a vehicle of that hope in our world today. You know, the church, part of the church's mission actually will mean that the church should bring real change to communities because the gospel transforms things. It restores justice, it restores righteousness to the world as well as to our own individual lives. Let's pray and ask that in this season of Advent, we don't kind of just get our heads in the clouds about Christmas. We remember the reason Jesus came is because we need him.